four today, and I have been praying all morning, Lord, just let me make sense. Uh, because of what's in my heart, I, I really am praying that the spirit of revelation will come, because I believe that Jesus is doing a great thing in this last hour. I believe that he's wanting to do some great things through you and me as individuals and as a church body. And uh, I believe that one of the aspects of that will come out here in today's message. So 2 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse number 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels, and when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. And the oil stopped flowing. I want to... minister this message trying to remember what the title is that I gave it <laughs> so that it matches the video uh, just I'll make it up in the video if you're on video just so be it but empty vessels for God God is searching for vessels to fill I want to pull a couple of things out of this passage, and then I want to delve a little bit deeper into something. But I want you to notice that the prophet looked at this woman and said, what do you have? And she said, I have nothing except a pot of oil. I want to share with somebody today that she did not realize the depth of what she had. She thought she was broke. She thought there was nothing left. But when you have just a little bit of oil left, you have a whole lot. All through Scripture, the whole oil is symbolic, if you will, to the Spirit and the presence of God. When you were anointed, they would anoint you with oil. And the symbolism is they would anoint you with the presence of God and pray the presence of God upon you. And so what this woman didn't understand was she had just a pot of oil. Now, that word pot, they probably didn't have a huge one. It wasn't one of those big kettles. It was probably just a pot of oil. And that's all she had. And so Elisha said this. She said, he said, go and tell him your sons and go borrow as many vessels as you can. And gather them into the house. And begin to fill them up. Now I want you to understand something. This woman didn't understand what she had. But she was obedient to the prophet. 
And when the prophet said to pour it out, she began to pour it out. And she filled up one vessel, the next vessel, the next vessel, the next vessel. And I could almost see her in a frantic, and she was starting to fill these up, sending Johnny and Jimmy and saying, come run next door, find some more vessels. It's still flowing. And it says that when they were all full, she said, go find another vessel. It's still flowing. I still have some left. Let's fill up another one. And the boy said, Mom, there is no more vessels. And the Bible says that the oil stopped flowing. It lets us understand something. It lets us understand that God will only flow if he has an empty vessel to fill. That his spirit will dry up. When the Bible says quench not the spirit, one of the aspects of quenching the spirit is when you consider yourself to be too full to be filled with more. Can I tell you, if you're just trying to bottle up the Holy Ghost, if you're just trying to bottle up the presence of God and just make it another day, another hour, let me tell you, you are missing what God is wanting to do in your life. Empty that out. Let Jesus pour out of you, and he will continually pour into you. There will be an anointing that comes on you, that as you express the power of God and the anointing of God, that as you begin to do that, God is standing above you in your word. You can get the picture. And he's got the oil of the Holy Ghost. He said, here, have some more. Here, have some more. You're not full yet because you're still empty. And I believe that God is looking to fill people. I find it interesting that the way God works um, I won't say that God had, can I just, well, let me, oh my Lord, I'm, I'm trying to teach and preach and I'm trying to figure out how to explain this the best way. Let me say it this way. I know that God can do anything that he wants, except one thing, and that almost sounds sacrilegious, but the one thing that God cannot do is violate the principle that he's already established. He cannot file his own rule, if you will, or his own law his own principle. Because if he did so, it would violate the word in scripture that says he does not change. He's still the same. Okay? So God can do anything that he wants to do, but God cannot violate his own principle. And, and he started a principle, and, and this is where I just need the spirit of revelation to hit somebody today, because he started something way back at the beginning of time that if you catch this principle at the beginning, you'll understand what God has been doing and is doing and wants to do in the world today. And that's found all the way back in the book of Genesis. I, I want to, I, I want to read, I didn't give Elena the scriptures because I didn't know what scriptures I was going to use. So I just, that way she, I can figure out what I'm doing on the fly. <laughs> But I want to read in verse number 7 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. I, I want to uh, transition a little bit back into chapter 1 because 
chapter 2 is kind of the recap of how he created things. But I want you to notice in verse number 29 of chapter 1, God tells the man, I have given you, or I'm sorry, not 29, verses uh, 28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Adam had something that he blew. He had authority and dominion to subdue and to be the dominant figure in earth. He gets his power because the Bible says that he was created in God's image. He gets his authority because he was created from the, the, the world, the dust of the ground. Let me, let me put it to you this way. God spoke everything into existence but man. In other words, man did not originate from the spoken word of God. Everything else was spoken by the word of God. But the Bible says in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Genesis that God took the dust, the dirt, and he formed Adam. And he breathed into Adam, and Adam became alive. Man became alive. Okay, and so we have an earthen vessel. I'll say that again. We have an earthen vessel in Adam. And the principle from the very beginning was that the earthen vessel was not adequate until the breath of God was breathed into it. He has been looking since the beginning of creation for people to breathe into, for people to fill for people to pour into, but the person has to be empty. So we read the story of, of, of creation. Sounds exciting. But then all of a sudden, in chapter 3, somebody shows up. In verse number 1, it's the serpent. Now, can I tell you that I hate snakes? I hate them. I don't even like garter snakes. It doesn't matter. A snake is a snake is a snake. I don't like them. But you want to know what? Snakes are not evil. God created them. He created every living thing. The serpent, the, the, the snake, if you will, is not the one that's evil. It was the one that stole the body of the serpent to attract Eve. Now, I don't know what these people were like back in the Garden of Eden. They were talking to animals. I don't know about you, but if a snake came up on my porch, decided to have a conversation with me, I would question my sanity. But Eve had a conversation with the snake, with the serpent. Because that serpent was simply an empty body that the enemy took control of. Because the enemy does everything that God does. 
But it's all an imitation. Hear me. Everything that the devil wants to do is to be an imitation of the act of God. And if from the very beginning in his relationship with man that God was trying to breathe into humans and fill them with his anointing and fill them with his spirit, you can say breath or spirit, it's the same word. When he wants to fill that human being, all of a sudden that's what Satan has tried to do is to imitate. But the Satan comes to steal and to rob and as a thief he sneaks in and he breaks in and he takes control of situations and certain circumstances and in the serpent he found a body that allowed him to take control and have a conversation with Eve. And because man has always been weak around women, All the husbands are smiling. He didn't stand up for what was inside of him. He allowed, by his disobedience, he allowed a thief and a robber to step in and take away what God had given him. And so, Jesus, so God shows up and he begins passing out curse. Have you ever wondered why in the New Testament it said that by uh, sin came by one man, Adam? Have you ever understood why Adam got the blame for that and Eve didn't? Eve was the first one to mess up. And yet we blame Adam. And we, 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 we blame Adam and we say, well, he just didn't share with her exactly what God said. Oh, no, she knew what God said because she pointed it right back to the devil. She just added three words. But here is the reason why sin came by Adam and not by Eve. Because Adam was the prototype. He was the first. God didn't get into the dust of the ground and create Eve. He created Eve out of Adam, out of the prototype. But Adam was the prototype that he was going to fill. Just hang on. I promise I'm going to get somewhere with all of this. But since Adam was the prototype that God wanted to fill, what he was doing was he was setting up the law of first things in Scripture. And he was saying, I have got to fill humanity. I have got to take upon me humanity. It's the relationship that I am longing for. Can I tell you why he's after you? Why God's after you? He's after you because he longs to fill you. He's after you because you are made in the prototype of what he created. Not when he spoke into existence, but he literally got down in the ground and began to form. That's why you and I are a bunch of dust balls. You think all the dust in your house just comes from the outside? It comes from us. I know that sounds gross, but that's what we're made of. But he wants to breathe. He wants to breathe right into us. Can I tell you that all through Scripture, Satan tried to steal 
and come into our atmosphere illegally. He broke the laws. He violated the scripture. He has no power. He has no authority. We say he's the prince of the power of the air. Have you ever noticed that it says the prince of the power of the air? Because he can't be the prince of the power of the earth. Because the authority comes through how you are born. Authority only comes. The reason why I have United States authority in me is because I was born in the USA. If I wasn't born here, I would have to either be an illegal or I'd have to be a documented person or I'd have to be somebody that took the citizenship upon me. But because I was born in America, I have the rights and the authority of the United States of America because of where I was born. And anybody that tries to come illegally and break in is stepping into an atmosphere where they don't have the exact rights that I have. And it's been a big political fight. I'm not making a political statement. What I'm simply trying to say is the enemy of your soul is messing with you illegally. He has no authority. He has no dominion. He has no right to mess with you. He has no right to control you. He has no right to entice you. He is breaking in on the ground that God created at the first when he formed the man, Adam, and breathed into Adam. He, and he became a living soul. He has no say. I'll say it again. He has no legal say over you. So stop giving it to him. Can I tell you why we fight the devil? It's not because the devil has any authority or power. It's because we're too weak to resist him. Let me try a different way. God recognized the children of Israel and he raised up a man named Joseph. And Joseph became a redeemer to his people. In the midst of famine, he was put through it. He went to Potiphar's house, he went to prison, and he was elevated. Can God just open up the windows of heaven and pour out a crop? Yeah, I suppose he could. But the way that God wants to move is through the people that he designed. And so he chooses Joseph. And I want you to notice something about Joseph. His act of redemption, of supplying the need, was not an overnight sensation. It was a progression of teaching and molding and moving from Potiphar's being sold and neglected by his brethren to Potiphar's house to the prison house all the way to fifth. There was a month, several years that took place and yet we wonder why God's allowing us to go through some things. My friend, he's trying to use an empty vessel and prepare that vessel for the outpouring of the glory of God. Because when Jacob and his brothers come and stand before Joseph in the land of Egypt, Joseph has the answer. He says, come, live here. We'll feed you. 
you will continue to, to keep the line of ancestry. Just a body, just Joseph. Was Joseph special? No, he was empty. The next time that they got stuck was in Egypt. The Bible says there was a Pharaoh that rose who knew not Joseph. Once you hear that, there was a Pharaoh that arose in Egypt that knew not Joseph. Not God. Joseph. Joseph was just the vessel. Joseph was the empty vessel. And the, and the Bible says Pharaoh didn't recognize that Joseph was a vessel. And so he began and he, and he enslaved this Jewish population. And so God raises up. Have you ever wondered why Pharaoh tried to get rid of all the newborn babies and why Moses was floating in the river? Have you ever wondered why? Because the Satan understood that God always works since the beginning of Adam. He always works through man. He always works through mankind. He works through you and I. We are his earthen vessels that he wants to place things in. He wants to put his anointing in. He wants to put his spirit in. He wants to put his goodness in. He wants to put his mercy in. He wants to put his grace in. He wants to do all that for us. Why? Because we are his Adam. So he sends a man by the name of Moses. But notice what Moses says. He says, okay, God, nobody's going to believe me, so who do I tell them sent me? I'm just a vessel. Who do I tell them is really in charge? The only picture I can hear in my head is James Earl Jones. <laughs> tell them I am that I am. Don't know that that's how God talks. But James Earl talks pretty cool. Tell them the I am has sent you. Hey, tell them, Moses, you're just a vessel. I am is the one that's working through you. But tell them this, I am going to work through you. So when you open your mouth, the plagues are going to come. When you open your mouth, the death angel is going to come. When you open your mouth, the Red Sea is going to split. When you open your mouth, the law is going to be given. It's going to work through you, Moses. It's going to come through you. I have got to have a body to fill so I can release my anointing to the world around you. It's got to come through a body. Just to save time, let me fast forward. Have you ever wondered why God came as a baby in Bethlehem? I'll tell you why. He came as a baby because he understood the principle and the law that he established back at creation. He established that it would be somebody that was born of the earth, earthly. And that he had, to, uh, he had to go through the process so that he could legally step into the human race and contradict what the enemy had done illegally in the garden. He had to step into humanity because he had to be born here. He had to be of the earth earthy. He had to have that. Why? 
that God made when he created Adam. And so once he was born, the Bible says that he grew up, he did his thing, he died on Calvary. And where did he go when it says that he went through the three days? He went knocking on somebody's door. And he knocked on Satan's door, if you will. I'm reading between the lines, Tim Sanders' version. And he said, give me the keys. To death, hell, and the grave. And I picture Satan saying, well, who says you get to have them? Because I was born here. And because I was born here, he gave us dominion over everything. He gave us dominion over the things of this earth. He has, and he restored in that moment of time the opportunity and the potential for mankind to regain and retain the authority and the power and the dominion that he originally established in the Garden of Eden. When he created Adam, he said, I created Adam of the dust. I was born of a baby, born of a woman, the Bible says. I was born of dust. That's why I have the right to the key. And he redeemed our bodies. So that you and I have the authority and the dominion we established in us. To be full of his anointing. Uh, is there a vessel here that just needs to be poured into? Hey, listen. Let me not stop there quite yet. Let me take you just a little bit further. The Bible says this. That at Acts chapter 1. That Jesus ascended into heaven. Body gone. Body gone. But he said this before he left. He said, Terry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise? He is getting ready to pour. <laughs> He's getting ready to fill some earthen vessel. He's getting ready. I have died on a cross. I have been glorified and resurrected. I have been ascended. So now the oil can go back in to the body. to work. They're of the earth, earthy. 
They're dusty. They're dirty. They're grimy. But when I came in at the age of 10 and I stood at an altar at Camp Galilee in Minnesota and I raised my hands, I raised my hand, and there was a pouring out at that moment in time, and the Holy Spirit endued me, it flooded my soul, it breathed into me, it changed me, it molded me, it changed my path, it changed who I was. I was only 10, but at 10 years old, I knew there had been a change. I was no longer corruptible, but I became incorruptible. I was no longer mortal, but I became immortal. In that moment, it's the reason as a human being I grieve when somebody passes away, but in the core of my soul, I'm like, Hello, I can't wait. <laughs> why? I'll tell you why. Can you imagine what Adam thought? when he opened his eyes for the first time. Just a pile of mud. Here's what I like about God, he's not afraid of the money. He got down in the dirt and the dust. And the Bible says he breathed into Adam. Not only did he breathe, can I just tell you that God's a master sculptor? Because in that mud ball, he found nostrils. <laughs> really? She's up here going like this. <laughs> but the Bible says, breathe in me. And he became a living soul. What he thought when he opened his eyes. Listen, he's the only man that's ever had it happen. There's coming a day when the trump of God sounds. First Corinthians says, Our world will put on immortality, our comfort will put on incorruption. That which is on in us. That which is in us is going to overtake that which is on the outside of us. And we are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump in a moment. Boom. We're going to open our eyes. And the Bible says we don't know what we are going to be like. But we know that we, we're going to be like him. For we are going to see him as he is. First John 22. But here's the problem. He can't fill full mud pies. They've got to get empty. God, take this out. Take that out. I need you to breathe into me. My back hurts. My legs are tight. I've had headaches. God, I just need to empty it and breathe into me.
God, I pull out my dreams. I empty myself of my own agenda. Lord, I give up that which I haven't forgiven. I give up that which I've held on to. I give up my thoughts, God. I give up my ideas. Uh, God, there's nothing about me that's good. The Bible tells us there's nothing good about us. I'm just a bunch of dirt. God, just empty me out because I know that there is still a little bit of oil in the house looking for an empty vessel to pour into. And God, I want to be that empty vessel. God, I want you to pour into me. Here's what I believe. I believe that we are like the woman. I don't have wealth. I don't have finance. I don't have a bunch of stuff that can get me to heaven. I don't think anything that I have can make me right and perfect. But all I have, God, I have a little bit of Holy Ghost left. It's kind of dry right now, Lord, but there's just a little bit left in my pot. And the prophet is just saying to the word of the Lord, get your vessels. Borrow them if you have to. Take hands with somebody if you have But somehow get it to where you are empty enough so that when you raise your hands, he takes that pitcher of oil and just starts pouring. And he won't stop pouring as long as there are empty vessels. See, here's the thing. This is why it's good when he pours it. Because he has the authority to give you something. Yes. Legally. Yes. Amen. Most of us have tried what the enemy has given us illegally. And it's marred us. And it's damaged us. And it's caused us to be less than what we are or should be. It's scarred us. It's messed with our brains. It's messed with our thought processes. It's messed with our physical lives. It's caused us grief and heartache. It's caused relationships to be broken. It's caused things to happen where we can't even figure out what way is up. Can I just tell somebody today what you really need to do is become an empty vessel in his presence because what he does is he begins to heal the vessel as the spirit flows through the vessel. Can I tell somebody that your shame will be erased if you're filled with his spirit? Can I tell you that your guilt will be erased because guilt and his anointing can't coexist in the same vessel? One of them's got to go. It might as well be guilt. Shame can't resist it. He's got to go. I'm telling you, when you pick into the spirit of the anointing and the oil of God, because you are born, because you are born and you are legal, you have the authority and the dominion to stand up. Say, enough is enough. I'm done messing. Take it all, Jesus, and then make it yours. I invite you to stand. There is the powerful presence of God in this house. Yes. And here's what I want us to do. 